setting fire to the stoner stereotype, sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us again on Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, author of the book Understanding Marijuana, published by Oxford University Press. I'm a High Times columnist, and I also have over 150 publications on the beloved plant or addictions or personality. I'm delighted to have you with us today. We have a superb guest, president of the California Hemp Alliance, Eva Silva. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here, and I just want to say I, I respect your work immensely and really appreciate you having me on the show. Oh, well, thank you. So listen, we're dying to know what really is the California Hemp Alliance. Well, thank you. I just came on as president a couple of months ago. Um, the The alliance had been somewhat inactive, and so our focus is on hemp legislation, helping move that ahead, of course, supporting pilot programs, and helping create a value chain in the state so that as legalization progresses, as cultivation is established more and more, uh, starting at the universities, of course, because that's the only place that it's allowed in the state, and even that takes a permit that as those things progress, that there's actually, obviously, businesses, facilities, um, a market in place to handle what we are finally allowed to to produce in the state. Well, that sounds delightful, and I can't thank you enough for doing it. Uh, a lot of our listeners are so attached to cannabis sativa as a medical plant we're curious, what's the difference between that and industrial hemp? Essentially, the difference is that hemp is not psychoactive. You could, this is kind of the, the joke in the, in the industry, you could you know, smoke a joint the size of a telephone pole and you're not going to have any psychoactive effect whatsoever. You can eat all of the products, the oils, you name it, and you will not show up positive on for THC in, in any kind of a test. The THC is in hemp is 0.03% or less. So absolutely no psychoactive effect. So, I mean, we're literally less than 1% THC. I want to point out that even at 1% THC, the folks who smoke that cannabis in the lab at 1% feel like they've gotten the placebo and are actually disappointed. So at 0.03%, clearly this is not at all psychoactive. Absolutely not. No. And I, I have friends in the military who ask me, well, oh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, is it okay if I eat this? What if, and, and absolutely, it, it doesn't matter how frequently you're drug tested, to what degree, the, you know, how thorough, I know nothing about te- that, that kind of testing as far as if there are different types or whatever, but you will absolutely not have a positive result no matter what. 
well, and in fact, in, in the hair test, it, it would be impossible to detect. And even uh, even uh, with a, an immediate blood sample right after eating one of those things, it, it wouldn't be an issue at all. So I think that's super reassuring. We're obviously talking around the whole idea of hemp as food. Could you kind of get into some of that for us? That, yeah, absolutely. Let, let me preface everything by saying you can use the entire hemp plant. And that is one of the things that is so unique ab- about this. So you can use the, the fibers, the herd. If we're talking food, that would come from the seeds and the oil cake. You can produce, you can eat the seeds raw. Beverages, it's an excellent protein source. Frankly, it's delicious. I actually spoke with a, a botanist recently and he said that if he had to choose one food source to eat for the rest of his life it would have to be hemp hemp seeds and he said it would get very boring but you literally would you could survive off of it and that is because hemp seeds contain the ideal 3 to 1 ratio of omega 6 to omega 3 the EFAs in the oils are, you know, as we all know, key to restoring health and immune function. The seeds contain 80% essential fatty acids, and that's the highest of any plant on the planet. And of course, EFAs cannot be produced by the body. We have to have them in our diet. And, you know, our, our bodies, our brains need these fats to function opt- optimally. So they prevent heart disease, uh, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, cancer, arthritis, you name it. The seeds are the perfect blend of these proteins, the EFAs, GLAs, antioxidants, amino acids, fiber, iron, zinc, carotene, basically every vitamin and mineral that you could possibly need. And it's a more digestible protein than meat, eggs, cheese, human milk, cow's milk, any other protein food. So the bottom line is hemp seeds and oil provide all the nutrition you really essentially need to sustain life. And a lot of people don't realize that, and this is something that I'm very, very passionate about, we're born with CBD receptors in our bodies. And CBDs are cannabinoids. And those are, of course, you can get those from marijuana plants or hemp plants. And they're derived in hemp, they're derived from the plant stock and the seeds. And we're born with these, the receptors for these in our brains, in certain in fats in our bodies, in our immune system. There are CBDs in human breast milk. Now, if we weren't intended to have these, we wouldn't be born with the receptors. They wouldn't be you know, created in the breast milk that is created to sustain life. So that's that's kind of a bottom line argument for me for, it's, for it's hemp, just hemp foods. A wild evolutionary phenomenon the more you think about it. So, I mean, this ideal omega-6 to omega-3 suggests that for cardiac health, this is really unparalleled. And, I mean, I don't want to get on my vegetarian propaganda soapbox, but we're talking about essentially a source of protein that's not going to have any of the fat that's so horrible for cardiovascular health. I actually tried to give the roasted seeds away in my drug class, so whoever got the highest score would would win a little a little thing of <laughs> seeds. And, and yet they were all so apprehensive about the drug tests that nobody wanted to accept the prize. So it, oh it's, my goodness, it's just sad that this this splendid 
source of nutrition has this oddball association with the psychoactive plant and some of the prohibitions associated with it. It really is. I mean, there there's evidence over 600 million years ago of of the endocannabinoid system. And, you know, the, the science says that our endocannabinoid system is, you know, people don't die from, quote unquote, getting old. We die because diseases emerge when we have a dysfunction or deficiency in our endocannabinoid system. And that the science points to this fact. Well, it's, it's so ideal. And you think about the strong antioxidant effects of literally all the cannabinoids, but even the non-psychoactive ones, including cannabidiol. And I'm eager to watch as, you know, our baby boomer heavy cannabis using crew starts to get into their 60s and 70s and just wondering if we're going to see the same kind of levels of dementia, Alzheimer's and things like that. And I've got my fingers crossed. I really hope this is going to pan out. I, you know, I hope so too. And I've, you know, having done interviews and articles on kind of on, on the flip side, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm used to kind of being on the other side of the microphone here and doing the interviews. And I've talked with numerous patients and advocates of cannabis in general. And it's just astounding to me that the success that people have, whether it's seizures or cancer or in you know, when when you hear like how, how this turns families around and how it turns health around and it's just, I mean, it, it gives me chills to even talk about it. And I've seen it in my own family with my younger son. You know, we've, we've done everything naturally. He's been on antibiotics once in his entire life. This plant-based nutrition is, has turned his life around. Oh, that's just delightful. So, I mean, we're talking about, so clearly the seeds, but they can be turned into flour. You can make pretty much anything you could make from flour out of hemp. I'm just delighted by the foods, but it sounds like there's a whole other world here just in hemp as fiber. Would you be willing to get into that a little bit? (laughs) Absolutely. And this is really exciting. It's so Uh, I don't even know where to begin, honestly, but let me just kind of go down the list here of what what the fibers can be used for. Fabrics, textiles of all kinds, yarns. I mean, during World War II, Hemp for Victory was produced because the Navy ran out of ropes and hemp fibers made the strongest ropes possible of paper, carpet, you know, furniture, construction, you you can build homes with hemp concrete. Hemp, you know, co- goes by people call it different names, but the thing with hemp concrete too is it actually sucks carbon dioxide out of the air. You know, t- t- and typical concrete over time degrades, it becomes weaker, it falls apart. Hemp concrete over time becomes more compact. And yeah, I mean you can make um, you know, the concrete, you can make insulation, you can Henry Ford's first car was made of essentially hemp. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I'm delighted to get into some of this. We do have to take a break and hear from our sponsors as my cannabis radio brother and the king of Hempfest himself, Vivian McPeak, would say, we got to pause for the cause because there's flaws in the laws. Let's get right back with Eva Silva from the California Hemp Alliance. Please stay tuned. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. 
let the marijuana llama tell you something now about a game for your phone gonna make you say wow the game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash grow the seeds sell the bud put the savings in the stash little by little your empire grows large put the big celebrities inside your entourage you can choose to play with snoop or me or chich and chong cypress hill willie nelson with khalifa with the bong the name of the game is himping that's the point download and play while you like yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Thousands of cannabis professionals convened this August in Portland, Oregon, to the city responsible for half a billion dollars in cannabis commerce. The Portland Expo Center hosts Indo Expo, August 6th and 7th. Indo Expo has seed to sale covered all weekend long with educational seminars and over 250 exhibitors. Lights, nutrients, trimmers, extractors, greenhouses, cutting edge grow gear, genetics, smoking accessories, and more. Free admission for buyers, store owners, and MJ industry professionals. Visit www.indoexpo.com. Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Get ready to hear something good about cannabis. I give you Jasmine Huff. Tell us a little bit about Jasmine. Give us the good news about how you've gotten to where you are today. Like all good children, I rejected my parents' values and and ran off to become a capitalist in New York City and did a lot of work with an organization called Women 2.0. Looking at the cannabis industry, I said, you know what? Here we have a brand new industry. It's going to be a billion-dollar industry. And the rules of who leads this industry and who funds this industry haven't been written yet. Good news, only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back, Burning Issues listeners. We're talking to the delightful Eva Silva from the California Hemp Alliance. Hey, we've gone all the way back to... All the wild uses of hemp. I do want to mention the mystical Chinese emperor from 2800 BC, Shenang, who supposedly discovered the cannabis plant. But we're all the way up to some uses of fiber here in modern times. So literally millennia, we've been uh, making good use of this plant. Are there clothes? And I mean, does it really get to the point where we've got the fiber that fine? Absolutely. And the beautiful thing about hemp fabrics is that, you know, the the saying goes, they don't wear out, they wear in. And because the fibers are so strong, the clothes are very comfortable, but they they literally last probably 10 times as long as a hemp t-shirt is going to last you way longer than a cotton t-shirt. So the beautiful thing about hemp is that well, many things, but you don't have to worry about having that organic certified, you know, on your cotton t-shirt. Hemp requires no pesticides 
and far less water than cotton. And it's, it, it literally is better from you from the inside out. I got to admit, I, I had a pair of hemp underwear I bought from none other than Jack Herrer and finally, oh, had, to, awesome. finally <laughs> had to throw them away after 14 years. So. <laughs> well, pretty- there you go. See, there you go. <laughs> So we've we've mentioned some aspects of food and of fiber. How does uh, the plant actually deal with soil? Is it as bad as cotton and things like that? Absolutely not. And hemp has been used in phytoremediation around Chernobyl. They wanted to use it around Fukushima, but you're not allowed to, to grow there. There's a whole legal issue. So unfortunately, it hasn't been used yet. But if you look at the area, if you Go online, look at the area around Chernobyl. There are plants growing there. There are animals living there again. And because the plant itself is so efficient at dealing with toxins, after the phytoremediation process is done, you can actually take the plant and still use the fiber and the herd. And that's a mind blower when you think about it. It's essentially radioactive area. And exactly. you can still literally wear pants made from there and be safe. Yes. And there is no plant on earth that can do that. Exactly. And so what about interactions with the soil? Is there anything else we should know? Well, another beautiful thing about hemp is that they called it Kentucky ditchweed for a reason. And that's that it, it can grow like a feral plant. It needs very little obviously you know there are different strains that have been created and you know strains that are good for fibers strains that are better for food and of course there are any plants going to grow better in a better quality of soil but hemp can literally grow anywhere and you know in the case of using hemp instead of trees one acre of hemp regardless of the soil is going to create four times, 4.1, four, four times more usable fiber than the same acre of trees. And I'm sorry, but the last I checked, trees take about 20 years to probably reach maturity. <laughs> and you can grow two hemp crops a year. It's really a no-brainer. So I have to admit, I do get sucked into the old DuPont uh, propaganda, where I feel like, in a sense, between the Hearst newspapers and the DuPont chemicals involved in making paper from wood, we kind of got shafted on this one and, th- and that the hemp fiber would have been more efficient. And we would have even known this, you know, before the Marijuana Tax Act in 1937. But because basically some wealthy people got to manipulate the entire market, we, we ended up missing out on one of the best plants for soil and fiber. Absolutely. Now, Go ahead. It seems like these have a lot of implications for climate then, and I was just hoping you could elaborate on that. Well, for, for climate, yes, because we're, we don't need pesticides for one thing. So all of that, all those toxins are not going into the air. Second, hemp can literally stop deforestation. You know, like again, when you can grow, you know, two hemp crops a year that are four times more productive than the same amount of acreage for trees, the deforestation becomes a non-issue. It's a delightful thought. I mean, to, to really just be able to have it growing out there just like corn or something and, and so quick to harvest, that, that's just going to go so so wonderfully. 
So a lot of times what we'll get are these weird complaints that, oh, the material doesn't really hold a crease and the fiber isn't strong. What do you say? You know what? That, again, that's absolutely a non-issue. We were, we were told, you know, before prohibition, if the government came, if you had, were a farmer and you had land and they said, we need hemp, pro we need you to grow hemp, you literally had to. And you know, th th this was recognized federally as the biggest, it was formerly the largest agricultural crop in the country. And it needs to regain that, that status. You know, we have we have farmers going out of business all of the time in this country. And this is a crop that can sustain a farmer. It can sustain an area of the country. It can it can sustain the country. We spend literally the retail value for hemp products in this country is expected to be six hundred million by 2020. Now, as it stands, we're sourcing all of that hemp most of it anyway, we're just getting started in this country, from outside of the country. So we can have the products here, but we can't grow it. It makes absolutely no sense in uh, politically, financially, uh, nutritionally, on all levels. I mean, it's so ironic that you literally have this incredibly eco-friendly thing, and then you have to increase your carbon footprint by importing it into our country. So, I mean, that's just that's just super sad. I'm curious, you've, you've alluded to the, the oil from hemp. Can you give us a little bit about that? The oil as far as nutrition or the oil as far as a product? Um, oh, by, for, by all means, we'd love to hear a, a bit about the medical uses unless you want to talk about it as a food. Uh, well, I've, we've kind of covered the food. So as a medical product, as far as like, like CBD oils on health, is that, is that kind of what exactly. you're... Exactly. That'd be, that'd be superb. Well, again, you know, again, I mean, we're, we're born with these CBD receptors and the oils can treat everything from... Uh, may I give you a personal example? Please. We'd be delighted. Okay. My mother has osteoarthritis. And that's the most painful arthritis you can have. You know, it's, it's in your bones. I got her started on some CBD oils. And I called her, I don't know, a week later. And this is a woman, no disrespect, mom, I love you. But she spends her time either sleeping or playing solitaire at the dining room table because she's literally in so much pain. Called her up. And I had to leave a message. She called me back and she said, oh, I didn't get your phone call because I was out trimming the hedges around the house. And I, I, I literally, I joked with her and I said, I, I'm sorry, I think I have the wrong number. It, it turned <laughs> her life, it literally turned her life around. And with, it's... so that, that, that's a physical example. In my own son, he was born with language processing issues, extreme anxiety issues, like debilitating anxiety, <clears throat> anxiety issues. And him on the CBDs, this is a kid who woke up four or five times a night, which means I woke up four or five times a night until he was 17 years old. Oh. Started him on, yes, I homeschooled him, you know, all of these things because of what the anxiety and the lack of sleep did to him. Started him on CBD oils and, you know, CBDs in, in various forms, but mostly the oils. So he started sleeping through the night immediately, changed his life. He's in college now. 
he's just got his first job literally today. <laughs> and yeah, it's, I'm telling you, it, it's really, I don't want to say it's, it's a cure all, but it's for anyone who would like to try something alternative and doesn't want the psychoactive effect. It's, it's the way to go, you know, do, do your research, get online and it's amazing. Wow. I mean, that's such a heartwarming story. I, I can't thank you enough. I can only imagine the things you guys must have struggled through and the alternative treatments. I mean, do you mind sharing some of that tale with us? No, not at all. It was a struggle and it was, you know, again, we've done everything naturally to with varying degrees of success and over and over again, you know, my his entire life, I had people telling me, well, why don't you just put them on X, you know, pharmaceutical? And I'm like, no. Absolutely not. That's it's a slippery slope. You know, I, I I did my research and yeah, and you know, just to, to be able to see this is this is part of what I'm I'm very passionate about the environment, but what what it can do for people on a personal level so that they can go affect the world in a better way. Because when we are all in our most empowered state of being, that's when we do good work in the world whether it's, you know, in, in, in the environment or, you know what I mean? And to see this young man, my son, literally, well, it's, tran- literally transformed. It's a really moving tale, I, I got to admit. I'm curious, you, you've done some neat book reviews on YouTube, so folks who want to check you out can see there. But are there books you'd recommend for folks who want to know more about hemp? You know, other than um, Hemp Bound, Ryan Laughlin's book, I don't know about books per se, but I have to say one, you know, obviously your books are, are amazing and on top of my list, but as far as like finding out about the science of, of CBDs and our, our endocannabinoid system, uh, there's a site called medicaljane.com. And one of the scientists there is um, Dr. Bob Melamede and I'm such a huge fan of his work, and I actually got to interview him. Well, not interview him, but I hosted a panel at the Northern Colorado Hemp Expo this last earlier this year, and he's just amazing. If anyone, please, you know, get online, read his work, and it's very accessible. You know, he has a couple of videos on there about the endocannabinoid system and how it works, and why it works, and why it's important to support it, and. I would say look up that look up there's a site called reset.me as well that site is that's about alternatives in general but they have really good information about you know your endocannabinoid system as well that's delightful and Dr. Bob I mean I just bought him lunch not too long ago and it's always a pleasure to see him (laughs) and he's got one of the most accessible articles ever at the uh, Journal of Harm Reduction just about why THC basically makes it so that marijuana is not going to produce lung cancer while nicotine and tobacco definitely will. So it's it's just great to see such a, a multifaceted guy really get on our side. Does the CHA have a website? We do. It's cahemp.org. And I, what we plan to do with that, the, the site itself, you know, my background is all kinds of media production and writing, written content, video content. And so I want to produce a lot on that site. We're actually partnering with, or not partnering, aligning with the Industrial Hemp Research Foundation out of Colorado so that we can help move things ahead. 
Uh, one of the members of our board also is Tony DeVera, and he is a Cal Poly Pomona grad student. He is, he, he's making huge strides, so stay tuned. We'll be posting info, information on that. Uh, oh, Tony's going to be on the show soon. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, so with, knock on wood, in the month of August, this university will have their research permit and be planting in, in the fall. So we're making progress, and we plan to document all of it on the site, and we're looking forward to making alliances, uh, you know, again, to create that value chain so that this is a, a sustainable industry across the board. Well, I can't thank you enough. Eva Silva, president of the California Hemp Alliance. We've got a wonderful time in industrial hemp and shouldn't forget this non-psychoactive, incredibly useful plant. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. And here's to doing good work in the industry. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Play is Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted, available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town, maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. Welcome to Empire, presented by C.W. Hemp a weekly installment dedicated to exploring the non-psychoactive side of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of the American economy, hemp has been used in over 25,000 products, including paper, textiles, construction materials, health food, and fuel. Now, tune in and discover all there is to know about this wonder crop making a historic comeback. Empire, presented by CW Hemp, starts now. Hey, Cannabis Radio listeners, we're back with Hempire, the section of our show where we explore all things hemp. Whether it's fiber, food, or pharmacy, the hemp plant continues to amaze humans for millennium after millennium. We've had medical uses from mythical Asian Emperor Shenane back in 2800 BC and right on through to the present. So thanks for joining us on Hempire. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, author of the Oxford University Press book, Understanding Marijuana. 
I'm a High Times columnist and member of the advisory board at the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Law. Today's guest is a special CEO of the Realm of Caring Foundation. It's the powerhouse herself, Heather Jackson. Heather's got wild tales to tell of her journey to Colorado, C.W. Hemp, and the Realm of Caring Foundation for it, Foundation itself. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thanks for having me. So you've got, I think, one of the most moving stories ever when it comes to medicinal hemp. Can you tell us how you got started in the whole area? Yeah, absolutely. It started with my son, Zakai. He started having seizures when he was four months old, and he has a rare catastrophic form of early childhood epilepsy, very resistant to pharmaceuticals. In fact, we went through 17 of them without success. That's kind of embarrassing to say at this point. Uh, And he was receiving hospice. And we were very much looking for just some palliative relief for him. And we started Charlotte's Web four years ago today, actually. Oh, wow. Our our four-year anniversary, we've been talking with the Stanleys quite a bit today and sort of reminiscing about the last four years of our journey, when within uh, three months of Zakai starting, he actually stopped having seizures altogether. His his condition just remitted. So I say that Zakai is in remission. He hasn't had a seizure in three months. It will be four years. So he is doing fantastic. His development's making a lot of gains, and I've gotten to meet my son for the first time. It's really astounding. I mean, it's it's scary enough to watch anybody seize, but to actually see a child so little to have a seizure, and it sounded like he was having them multiple times per day. Is that? Yeah, he would average 60 to 250 seizures a day, and this was the better part of a decade. So we didn't find this option until he was, you know, nine and a half. And it sounds like really everybody was just sort of sitting around waiting for him to die. You get to a point where, you know, the physicians don't have anything else in their bag of tricks. And so you are just trying to provide the best quality of life that you can. And you do sort of feel there's an inevitable that's going to happen just because of, you know, the history. So, yes, I would like to say I never stopped fighting and I certainly wasn't waiting around for him to die. But I think the medical community offered everything they could for him. And we had great doctors. They just, this wasn't an option. So how'd you first learn about medical hip? It was our hospice counselor. And she could have lost her job probably, but she slid a piece of paper over to me with some phone numbers on it. And it was Joel Stanley, Paige Figgy, Charlotte's mom, Charlotte's what is named after, and the lab, because she knew me. And I'm very, very detail-oriented, tracked everything, so I needed to know that this could be tested, exactly what I was giving, that it was free of mold, pesticides, residual solvents, metal, yucky stuff. And yeah, so she was, she was brave enough to talk about it. And it was because she had one other child who was doing really well on it. Oh, wow. So then you ended up just calling the Stanley Brothers? Yeah, I did. Actually, first I called the lab. So I wanted to really ensure the safety because he was pretty medically fragile. And after I was assured that you could discover all of these things through testing. So my second phone call was to Joel Stanley, who was pretty resistant, I would say, to getting Zakai going. He had only one other child and one other 
success story, and that was Charlotte. And I think he was probably cynical, just like I was. and wasn't sure if this was really happening. And anyway, I convinced him, uh, and we got started as soon as we could. And that was really, that was pretty much all, all she wrote. So I'm just eager to get a feel for the side effects you guys experienced on the previous medications and some of the side effects you might be getting now. That's a great question. So, of course, I mentioned he had been through 17 pharmaceuticals that had failed him. Statistically, after your second pharmaceutical with epilepsy, you have less than a 1% chance that any of the rest will actually work. Fun little scary fact there. And some of the side effects we faced were, you know, there were times where he was anorexic, so he would just completely stop eating. There were times when he doubled his weight, like on steroids. He actually doubled his weight, had really bad cushionoids, so his cheeks were really puffy. He had bone loss from long-term steroid use and cataracts. So he's a, you know, six-year-old that's like a little old man behavior issues, et cetera. And one of the drugs, several of the drugs that we tried were black box warning label drugs. And this is what the FDA does to a drug when a known side effect is death. Um, It's sort of the precursor to them pulling it off the market. So some pretty scary stuff. I got to admit that would frighten any parent. And I'm, you know, aware that a lot of folks end up saying things they, they don't really mean, or they don't know what to say under these circumstances. You guys must've heard some pretty crazy things. Yeah, I mean, I've even from friends, I've heard everything from, I think most people just don't know what to say, so they try and fill in, fill in the blank. One friend that was a really good friend at the time had mentioned that perhaps it was karma, something that, I'm like, what could this little human being have done? She's like, no, it's karma for you. Like, oh. like what are you talking, you know, what are you talking about? Uh, needless to say, she was, you know, no longer a friend. But I think that, you know, by and far, we received a lot of support. But most friendships can't really, they can't deal with that sort of long-term stress. I mean, we dealt with daily seizures and were practically hostage in our house for almost a decade. So it's a, it was a long haul. I think people underestimate, too, the the magnitude of just that duration. There's literally no respite. It's like literally every day is a 24-hour day. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't even go to the bathroom without putting someone in charge of the Kai. His seizures were that frequent, and it it was absolutely no rest for a very, very long time. And, of course, afterwards, you're, I don't know how I did that, but you do what any parent would do, and it just makes the best of it, and work through it the best you can. I mean, I have had other clients with special needs children nowhere near this severe, and I really got to hand it to you guys. It's, it's just amazing what you've been through. Thank you so much. It was It's something that can make a break uh, family, and for us, it, it made us closer, more resolved, more of a team. And so, you know, if there's a silver lining, I would say that it's that. And I would also say, you know, the Realm of Caring Foundation is, is a byproduct of what we experienced, and it's how I make meaning of basically a decade of suffering. Yeah, I, 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 cur- yeah. I got to admit, it's right out of Viktor Frankl there. And Heather, I was just curious about some of the positive side effects uh, you've seen with Zakai now that he's on CBD. Yeah, it's been mostly positive. In the very beginning, we had what's called forced normalization, which is just when really abnormal brain waves regulate 
after a really long period of time of being abnormal, the brain's not quite sure what to do with that. So I called the Kaiba Energizer Bunny on Speed. He's very, very busy, very emotional. And it was, it was really difficult to deal with, obviously, not as difficult as seizures. So we just wrote it out. And that resolved itself within about four to five months or so. But we saw right away a very steady appetite, a better sleep. After that forced normalization resolve, we saw improved mood, huge gains in his cognitive areas. And he was incontinent. He didn't know his colors. And he was, you know, he, was, he started toileting learning his colors, learning his alphabet, his numbers. So we, we actually experienced, you know, a lot of really positive side effects. Oh, it's, it's miraculous. I'm, I'm completely blown away. We do have to take a break now. As my cannabis radio brother, Vivian McPeak, would say, we've got to pause for the cause because there are flaws in the laws. We'll be right back after these messages. Hold on for more Empire after you've grown to learn more about our sponsors. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Source, shop, network, and learn at Indo Expo, covering all things cannabis from seed to sale. Portland, Oregon's Expo Center, August 6th and 7th. Source and shop over 250 exhibitors. Network and learn at our educational seminars all weekend long. Free admission for buyers, store owners, and MJ industry professionals. Looking for a career in the MJ industry? Attend Indo Expo's Career Fair, Sunday, August 7th. Over two dozen companies are looking to place positions from master growers to marketing directors. Visit www.indoexpo.com to learn more. See you at the show. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. 
Time to harvest more crop-tastic content on Hempire, only on CannabisRadio.com. Well, Heather, now I'm eager to find out how this inspired all your work at Realm of Caring. You know, what we realized right away, so Paige and I said, you know, after several months, this is, this is really happening. We made a commitment to not only tell our community, which was the epilepsy community, but really wanted to tell the story and what had happened to both of our families. And we, we began to do that, and immediately we just couldn't keep up with the volume of inquiries. You know, so back then it was very informal. We were texting and on Facebook and, you know, closed Facebook groups and these sorts of things. And it was really apparent we need some systems. We need a team. People need information. We need to be able to share with them, you know, the research that exists. We need to talk about what we know about dosing. And, and that's how the realm of caring was really born, was just really sheer necessity for a very, very underserved population. So you guys have essentially your own realm of caring program for these children. Yeah, so we started the nonprofit, and we are a 501c3 organization. So the federal government gave us our designation in 2013. And we do really lots of wonderful things. We have over 25,000 families that are connected to us from all over the world. We're engaging over 6,000 of them in research protocols with Johns Hopkins University which I'm really proud of. That was one of the things that I kept hearing over and over again is this is just anecdotal or this is placebo or, you know, even Denver Children's reports that you're twice as likely to report a seizure reduction if you've moved to Colorado as if, than if you already lived here. So we kept hearing these things and I said, you know, we need to deal with the best and get some research accomplished. And so we went through the university process called the IRB, the Institutional Review Board process, and, and are actually collecting real-time prospective data, which is huge. Um, so we get research done. I mean, that really warms my heart, and I, I think it's easy to underestimate what a hassle that must have been. Just the paperwork alone for getting those kinds of protocols approved is really tedious and harsh. So my, my hat's off to you. Thank you. I think this is worth it. This is so worth this attention to detail. And to my knowledge, no one is really collecting that data. You know, how many milligrams are people taking? What routes? How many times a day? What are the side effects? What drugs are you having interactions with? The economic data, this is huge to me. So I'll give you a, an example, if you'll indulge me. My son used to receive 11 hours of nurse services every single day three therapies in home twice a week. We saw specialists month, whether it was an epileptologist, a pain management doctor, an endocrinologist. We were on pharmaceuticals that cost two to 9,000 bucks a month. I mean, his burden, his financial burden, I'm making air quotes, you know, to, he's, he has a disability, so he gets Medicaid. His financial burden to the state is very significant. Our neurologist called us and said, you still have to come in, Heather. I mean, it had been over a year since we'd been in. We're on no pharmaceuticals. He gets an hour in the morning and an hour at night to get himself ready for, you know, the day and ready for bed. I mean, his financial burden is significantly less. We're tracking that data, you know, hospitalizations, emergency room rides, those sorts of things. So the research is a very big part of what we do. But we spend most of our time educating with both uh, the community clients who are using cannabis products, specifically Charlotte's Web, 
and physicians. We're connected with over 300 physicians around the world. We do free orientation for doctors and clients alike. And we actually take 8,500 phone calls every single month. Holy cow. It's awesome. And we, I'm very systems oriented. So we collect a lot of data on that. You know, how long did we talk to them? What did we talk to them about? Where did the call come from? You know, what is their diagnosis? It's not just epilepsy anymore. We have families dealing with cancer and chronic pain and neurological disorders. Autism is actually the second highest pediatric population we're serving after epilepsy. So it's really grown, you know, quite a bit. Now, is everybody pulling in and moving to Colorado to do this? Or are you guys spreading the word a little further and getting the chance to, to help other folks without having them pull up roots? You know, when these high CBD hemp products started being shipped, a lot of people decided, you know, we don't need to move because they can get it on their doorstep, which makes a lot of sense. So a lot of families are starting with that. They're just getting it shipped directly to them. And if that doesn't work, then they may consider moving to a medical state like Colorado where they can get other products, you know, like THC and CBN and some of these other cannabinoid products. But most families are not moving now. I stopped counting at about... 500 families that had relocated here um, when shipping started. So quite a few did come. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. But the fact that they don't have to is also uh, heartwarming in its own way. It really is because, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I would not have been able to set up an entire second household, you know, and, and not had support. I, I don't think I would have been able to do that. Very few were able to. And so it's great now that that they're not needing to. The great thing that was created here, though, because of that was this wonderful community of moms and dads and families who know what you're going through. Because I I never had, even my best friend, who was very supportive, never really understood what it was like to be going through this. And so to have, you know, people here, our people, who, who know what this feels like is really interesting and it's a great dynamic. And I understand you're doing work at the legislation level as well. Yeah, that's been, um, it's actually, it's really instilled hope in me and our ability to affect change. I used to think the government was just a slow dinosaur and you really couldn't do anything. And the first state passed in, it was signed in Utah in March of 2014. And so in just a little over two years, over 20, well, 20 states have put on cannabis legislation, and five of them did not limit the THC percentage, and so 15 of them did. So that looks more like a hemp-type legislation. So that, that has been exhilarating to be a part of and to know that legislators really are listening and, you know, parents really can fight and go talk at a hearing and tell their personal experience and have that affect change that's been really empowering for me to witness and definitely for the families to experience. I'm also delighted to ask about financial assistance for potential clients. Yeah, this is my favorite thing to do by far. So we have a couple of financial assistance programs. First of all, anyone who's connected to the realm of caring gets discounts on products anyway. So it's a reduced cost for them because of the their severe medical condition. Most of the folks that are connected to us almost exclusively are dealing with life-limiting chronic health conditions. And so they get a discount anyway. Well, then they can further apply for more 
assistance through what's called Realm Cares. And this is actually a financial grant. And we write checks to these families every single month. And we have over 60 families in that program. And we write checks to the tune of about 6,500 bucks a month. And so we hope to increase that budget. We have a lot more people ask for money than we're able to give. Uh, and then the other thing, we still do relocation grants. So there are families that do need to move, and those are $5,000 grants. And those are just assessed on, on need, really. Wow. I mean, it's just it's just such a wonderful thing. And to see how far you've come in, in so little time, I'm, I'm absolutely flabbergasted. This is this is amazing. You guys have, I have a wonderful, I have a wonderful team. Well, um, I remember when it was just you. So I mean, I'd love to hear about you know that. What? Just last year, it was my kitchen table in the January of, of 2015. It was, this was my, the office was my kitchen table and volunteers would come over and we had volunteers fielding phone calls and we got about a thousand calls answered that way a month. And it was just like, you know, we, we need to do this a lot better. And we got some serious fundraising going and, you know, a major contributor to the foundation is um, CW Hemp and the Stanley organization. And so we're really able to do it right now. Oh, and I mean, it's just got to make a world of difference from just sitting around in your kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) It totally does. Yeah. You know, and we take satisfaction ratings, you know, from the folks who talk with our, our client care specialists is what we call them. And they'll spend as much time on the phone with them as they need. So sometimes those phone calls are 30 or 45 minutes and they'll check in regularly. And it's just, it's a really beautiful thing to, to witness. And yeah, it's, it's wonderful to have a team that has been hired for their heart and they've definitely got a lot of skill and passion, but this organization is, you know, is amazing. The team is amazing. And can you point us towards the website in case we want to donate? Sure. It is www.therock, that's T-H-E-R-O-C dot U-S. So again, it's T-H-E-R-O-C dot U-S. And in fact, there's uh, all kinds of information about the research, education, and advocacy. And uh, you don't have to donate, but there's a very nice click right there. It's, <laughs> it's just been it's just been absolutely moving. Thanks so much, Heather Jackson from Realm of Caring. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. (laughs) Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the the, the king, right? You just have, you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. (laughs) 
The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, Cannabis Radio listeners, thanks for joining us again on Burning Issues. Time for another chapter in self-compassion and the art of activism. Here's the portion of our show that focuses on taking good care of ourselves and each other. Hey, I got some fun emails asking about the munchies and these new high CBD strains that are supposed to not make you hungry, so I thought I'd say a word or two about food. Some of you know I do clinical work with folks who have eating disorders, and I want to make sure our Burning Issues listeners get to benefit. The new high CBD strains might be a little less likely to increase appetite, but only a little less. However, there's a way we might trick our brains into thinking we're eating less of the stuff we might not like or more of the stuff we know we shouldn't. So I have a wild quote from Queen frontman Freddie Mercury who used to say, the bigger the better. I don't think he was talking about food, but it just might apply. We tend to eat with our eyes as well as our hands, so if looks suggest that there's a lot to a meal, our stomachs tend to get the message sometimes before we're even done eating. If we consume a bigger volume of food, we claim to feel more satisfied and even stay full longer. So in one of the coolest experiments I've seen on this, researchers made smoothies, you know, the fruit juice and ice and everything like that, And some of them were whipped just for a few seconds. The other ones were whipped long enough to pump them full of air. They just kind of let the blender whirl for a while and suddenly made it twice as large as the other group. People who drank the bigger version claimed that they felt fuller than folks who drank the little ones. A comparable experiment used milkshakes and just added more water to them to make them bigger. And sure enough, those people who sucked down the bigger shakes claimed that they felt more full, even though they both had the exact same number of calories. The experiment even worked with those crazy aerated foams that used to be so trendy on all the cooking shows. People who eat a bigger pile of foam claim that they're fuller, even if the little pile has exactly the same number of calories. The effect of the size of the food on fullness seems to work in the opposite way, too. So if we see less food, it can make us feel like we're eating less. In a sense, food that we eat but don't really notice doesn't seem to register. Out of sight, out of stomach. So these cool researchers at Cornell made this special soup bowl that would kind of refill itself as folks were taking spoonsful. It would just get a little more soup to come in with each bite. And sure enough, they ended up eating 70% more of this soup than the folks who had the regular bowls. But even though they ate so much more, they didn't claim that they felt any more full. And when they guessed how many ounces of soup they'd eaten, it was pretty much the same as the folks who'd just eaten from the regular bowls. So essentially, if we don't see it, we feel as if we haven't eaten it. With these ideas in mind, what's a cannabis user to do? Well, first and foremost, make sure to pay attention to what we're eating and then see every bite we take. If you've got lots of fruits and vegetables around and a little less of the old chocolate-covered pizza, that would be a good start. But lay out a reasonable serving and put the rest away, way, way back in the fridge or the freezer or the pantry. 
And then if there's any way to make your snack look bigger, put it on a dinky plate, beef it up with some juice or water, then by all means go for that. Then I know this is going to hurt, but turn off the TV or the stereo or whatever. And only then take each bite and really pay attention. Be mindful as you chew. Talk to your buddies about the taste and the texture and the aroma and anything else you might happen to notice. And then you can play a game with yourself to sort of see if you can take a small enough bite to really taste it. Chew slowly. Make sure you take time between bites. And then see if you can actually quit before you finish the whole serving. There are countries where the habit is to actually try to only eat about 80% of what your stomach feels like is full. And then you'll get all the cues for the food without actually eating quite as much. Ideally, you'll get the same amount of joy from your munchies without feeling bloated or uncomfortable later. So hey, gather some data for yourself and let me know how it turns out at 420research at gmail.com. That's 420research at gmail.com. Hey, thanks again for spending time with us on Burning Issues. My hearty thanks to Cannabis Radio Production Wizards, as usual, and today's guest, the effusive Eva Silva of the Cannabis Hemp Association. Catch us again here at CannabisRadio.com. Find us on Spreaker, iTunes, or anywhere hip podcasts make an appearance. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Follow your heart and let the data be your guide. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.